At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Okay. When I walk into Judith Jones's Upper East Side apartment, I'm already looking wide-eyed for that iconic pegboard wall, the one that Julia Child had too, to hang all of her copper pots and pans. I find it fast, just out of view through the kitchen, dangling with gleaming copper. It looks a little like a life-size jewelry rack, but the earrings are better, more practical. She catches me looking at it and turns me around. This is my favorite part of the kitchen, she tells me. She's pointing at a corner full of linear, stacked shelves holding a hodgepodge of dry ingredients. It's disorderly in the way that might make an outsider confused, but Judith knows where everything is. There are eggs on the counter. That's lunch. We move into the dining room, which is a small, tidy nook a New York critic once described as the best restaurant in New York. Judith plays host as we get ready to talk. I'm Kenzie Wilbur. This is Burnt Toast. And today is part one of that conversation. Would you like, uh, I think we're going to have some coffee, but would you like some cider or some... Coffee would be perfect. Wine. <laughs> I wish. I have to go back to work after this, but thank you. You might know Judith Jones as the editor of Julia Child's Mastering the Art of French Cooking. I did too, until I learned that she'd also saved Anne Frank, the diary of a young girl, from the slush pile at her publishing house years before that. You might also know that she's edited many more of the people we consider our culinary foremothers, like Lydia Bastianich, Edna Lewis, Mater Jaffrey, and Marion Cunningham. But she's also edited poets and writers like Langston Hughes and John Updike. To say that Judith Jones is a legendary editor is a massive understatement. Her voice was the guide for many books we've read and many that have taught us to cook. But even though Julia Child might be Judith's most well-known association— Lucky for us, she never tires of talking about her. In Judith's words, she likes to keep her alive. We've given our conversation with Judith two parts. Today, we'll hear about her work editing cookbooks and working with her authors. We'll also learn why Judith would never call herself a cookbook editor. Next time, we'll hear about her life and some of her bigger theories on home cooking. But back to her dining room. This is where we'd eat our eggs and try not to get distracted by her cookbook collection. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. It's quite a collection. 
there is some order to it. The, for instance, there's a whole row of Italian and French. The French comes first. Are they organized by Jewish. cuisine? Well, it's a mix, really, because sometimes they're organized by a technique. Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, uh, roasted and baked and things like that. Mm -hmm. But there is a system. Yeah. And once you've got them under your belt, you don't need to be running for your cookbook. I think that there's only so much that you can reference and read before you need to just shut the book. Yeah. And go cook yeah. on your own. But you do need, it's like a dancer, you need to know, the, know the basic pirouettes. You can feel the amount of cooking knowledge in these walls and in her. You can also feel the presence of some of the people who've eaten around this table. I asked Judith if this was, in fact, Manhattan's best restaurant. <laughs> Not very many people get invited, though. Well, so I wanted to ask you, who, who has been in this kitchen and eating around this table with you? Well, I've had Julia Child and James Beard once together. It was one of the best evenings. And Jim Beard was the kind of writer who he genuinely wanted to help others. And he had he taught in his uh, brownstone house, and he had the whole kitchen turned onto a floor. Got my some of my inspiration from him. And... Uh, if somebody called and we were working together and they called to say that they couldn't, their cake flopped or something, and he'd say, well, dearie, we'll have to talk about that. Now, what did you do? Was it a large egg? Was it? Did it just come from the refrigerator? And all of a sudden you realize he's telling you very profound tips yes. to making a, a light cake. And, and furthermore... He liked it so, so that that woman out there in whatever part of you was, was just sort of tickled to death. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with Julia, they, they love to argue a point. This was a moment for American cooking. Around the era that Judith began working with Julia Child in the early 1960s, cookbooks were moving from home ec to those that seemed to actually care about the craft. James Beard, Julia, and Judith were all at the forefront of this. But it's come full circle in a way. We were so ready after the war to break open uh, the whole American cuisine and, and examine it and try things and make things that are new because the boys had all come back from Europe, and, or most of them, and uh, they wanted to do something exciting and and the mating of wine with good foods, the making of cheeses. We made about three farm cheeses in this country. And just all of a sudden, cheese was in. Yes. My husband wrote a little, not a little book, it was a fat book. Yeah. And there weren't many kinds, but what he taught was that what makes certain cheeses have a character coming down from the mountain, the Swiss the Swiss Alps is a wonderful, a wonderful cheese that's made just because the, I guess the cattle are rusting. Mm. You, well, you know all this, but some of it, the, not all of it. There's no end to possibilities. So, do you think that we've come full circle back to this point where 
there are more ingredients and more farms and more willingness to try things? Or do you think that... I think that's exactly what's happened. And Julia came at the right time. She once said to me, Judith, you and I were born at the right time. <laughs> and I said, yes, but we had to act on it, didn't we? And she said, you're right. <laughs> but all of a sudden, Americans realized that their own home cookery was the best in the world, in the sense, because you had all so much to draw on. And the job was really to teach people how to do it and do it successfully and save money and and really think of food as a celebration. It's the best part of the day. Mastering the Art of French Cooking was arguably one of the first books to do this well. But I had to ask if there wasn't a small part of her that's a little tired of recounting the day that manuscript landed on her desk. For those of you who don't know the story, Judith once wrote that Julia's first submission of this book to another publisher met rejection, the comment being, why would any American want to know this much about French cooking? When Judith got a hold of it, she said that it was a book that answered her prayers. I don't know. I like to keep her alive. Yeah. And the more you talk about her, and as you see, I have fun imitating her, <laughs> but I don't do it as frequently as Meryl Streep. <laughs> Meryl Streep. <laughs> thought that that high squeak was in every sentence, and it wasn't. <laughs> it waited for moments of, you know, yes, appreciation and like applause. Did you have any other thoughts about that film, Julia and Julia? It was a great experience, that whole thing, because some were food people, some were maybe the restaurant PR, and Nora Ephron, bless her soul, the whole table was filled, and they were throwing back and forth ideas of making it better. Do you still reference Julia a lot in your cooking? Do you ever go back to that book and... Oh, I think about her a lot, you bet. You do? Yeah. Is there something that sticks out in your mind that you've returned to, or a piece of advice, or something that she told you that just... You know, I was more her little protege, and because she, they went to Cambridge... They weren't in New York, so she would say, see if you can find in the bakeries around town a perfect baguette. And so I was off on a hike. I mean, that was a several-day hike. And in New York then, I think we only got three. Can you imagine? No. It just, the baguette wasn't a word we even knew how to pronounce. No, I can't imagine that. <laughs> they're everywhere. Yep. Yeah. And they're not hard to make. Is the recipe in mastering the that that's the best recipe? Mm -hmm. That was a point of yours too. You you told Julia that she needed to include bread, right? Yes. Yeah. So how long did it take to develop that recipe, or did she just have it in her? The oh back no! Of her head? But once she said, "Well, we'll try it," and then she said, "Paul, you know, her husband said, Paul, would you like to make some French bread? You used to do it in college.'" I don't think she ever did. He ever did in college. But to my surprise, Paul said, I'd love to. And I was in New York. They were there. And after a couple of weeks, got sort of a grumbly letter from Paul. And he said he was sending some baguettes. And it was this big package that arrived. And he had two or three of his 
pole made baguettes. They were pathetic. <laughs> and he sent them to me. We wrapped them up. And it wasn't just the mailing that did it. He just didn't have the touch. So Julia said, well, we're going to go to Paris, and I'm going to find the best bread maker in Paris to teach me. And so get American flour, American yeast, American salt, and she packed it all up. And I got a little postcard from her saying, hurrah, it's all in the shaping of the loaves. <laughs> which you well know is hardly all. And which Paul definitely didn't know. No. <laughs> but you know, well, two things. One is that she was a very good cook. But the other thing was that she had good ideas which, about which we totally agreed, which was if the goods are good, you were going to have a top-quality dinner if you were do it as simply or as complicated, and that people should just dive in and start squish, mm-hmm. and it makes a huge difference. This cooking alongside Julia Child and the quest for the right French bread recipe would predate the rest of Judith's cookbook work. Work with luminaries like Madar Jaffrey, who's credited with bringing Indian cooking to Western audiences, and with Marcella Hazan, who arguably did the same for Italian cuisine. She'd also go on to work with Marion Cunningham of the classic Fanny Farmer cookbook, Lydia Bastianich, Claudia Rodin, and this is just to name a few. And still, Judith wouldn't tell you she's a cookbook editor. No, I'm just a general editor. I went to work with Blanche Canal right after the war. She went over to visit various French publishers and grab Camus and Salter and bring them back. And she really hired me because I complained about some of the translations being just too literal and no, they don't catch the, the magic of someone's real speech. And so she hired me. She also was angry because another editor had turned down the, what wanted me to turn down the Anne Frank before sending it back, i.e. rejecting it. In case you missed the mention of this in the intro, she's talking about Anne Frank, the diary of a young girl. You know the one, the required reading for many of our middle school English classes. She discovered it in a rejection pile at her early years at Doubleday. And I said, I just curled up to read it. So that was the kind of thing I was doing. And there was sort of a vague surprise when Gottlieb said, I didn't know you were that good an editor or something like that. (laughs) It's also maybe a lesson that being a general editor made you a better cookbook editor. Well, you're absolutely right, because if you just have a cookbook editor, they turn out too many cookbooks. They aren't books that really help you to cook better, most of them. And I've always felt strongly that the relationship between the author and editor is very important. You have to treat those authors with a kind of respect to encourage them to to experiment and be critical and and now that I'm a writer <laughs> and had I'm even more sensitive. Yes. Yes, seeing it from the other side. Yep. Yes. Yep. Judith has been a longtime contributing writer to food magazines, but she's also authored just under 10 other books herself, 
or with her husband, which, if she didn't have it already, gave her ample time to figure out what she dislikes most in cookbook writing. You have said that no recipe should ever include the instruction set aside, mm-hmm. which I loved when I read because I, I happen to agree with that. I feel like we should expect the home cook to have a certain modicum of common sense. I know. It's the, it's the least necessary. Yeah. Right. And who ever got the idea that in a bowl combined was even English? <laughs> <laughs> In a bowl, combine the first mixture with the second mixture. You're running around looking for the mixture. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get rid of this. I keep screaming about it, and a few places have removed it. Did you? Do you have? Do you? Did you particularly love working with any of your writers? You worked with so many: Claudia Rodin, Marcella Hassan was a, a number that was hard to. Tell me about that. Well, she, her, in the first place, her husband wrote the books. Um, so that made it awkward because I couldn't really have a hands-on discussion. You were her. once removed from her. No. And I once, I, I would always go to their apartment. I'd get a very good lunch, but <laughs> it wasn't worth it in the end. <laughs> Is it because you just didn't feel close enough to her? It was the contempt they had for Americans, and I found this offensive, too. You know, oh, the American woman, we're not writing for them. They don't know anything, and da-da-da-da. But, but weren't they writing for the American woman? They just didn't woman? want to be criticized. Another thing she did was I tried and tried to get her to make a loaf of bread because same way with this, with the, the French Italian bread is pretty important, and it's different, and the the differences are so interesting. And she did not agree with me. So she said, I will get some experts to come and give their judgment. So she invited me and James Beard and my husband and Craig Claiborne, and there were about (laughs) ten of us. And... uh, one of the things she did, she didn't have the final rising. So her loaves were, you know, mm-hmm. collapsed. Some of the others were pretty good, but she, it, 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 it angered her, it ruined her, her pride, really. And you can't be a good teacher if you feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this We keep coming back to the idea of good cooks being the the ones who teach well. I'm thinking, too, of how Julia Child would open up her phone line mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving. Did you know her then? She I, would, And when she would just accept calls from people having trouble baking their turkeys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you knew her then? You knew her when she and, was doing and that? And she may have gotten it from Jim. I don't know. Yes. But there, there was a kind of communication among all of them, and it was positive instead of nasty. Mm -hmm. Is there somebody who you feel particularly close to whose cookbook you've edited? I, except for for the ones that we couldn't come to an agreement about. They all became friends. Yeah. Love Marion Cunningham, who did the Annie Farmer. I love that book. Yeah. Just, and she did things she hated. I made her buy a 
microwave. <laughs> I said, I'll buy one too. <laughs> you did it together. And of course, we were both terrible at it because, and the food was, I mean, the texture was all wrong. And uh, so it was, it was awfully nice to have Marion because she was always saying, now, dearie, don't you worry. <laughs> so were all my burden, <laughs> which it was. But she was, she was curious. She was positive. She, she just loved food, and she made friends with every chef in San Francisco. And that's again how you learn. You don't just well. I think restaurant people know this more because they have to have fresh ideas, but. You don't just, you're never satisfied quite. It's always some little wrinkle that you can. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm nosy. I try to get the, the answer. <laughs> Which makes you a very good editor. Yeah. Before I left that afternoon, Judith told me she'd be happy to workshop titles for this project with me. That she'd had a few thoughts already and had started a list. I hope she's happy with what we called it, lunch with Judith Jones at the best restaurant in Manhattan, but I'm sure she'd have a change or two to make. If she didn't, I'm not sure she'd be Judith Jones. Tune in next week for the second part of the series. We'll hear more from her about her life and thoughts on home cooking, including how you shouldn't necessarily cook with the people you love. And that's it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Thanks to my producer, Kristen Meinzer, and also to Laura Mayer, Henry Malofsky, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Food52, or you can leave us a review on iTunes. For Judith Jones, I'm Kenzie Wilbur. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>